Hi friends, I'm Rob Tigan. And I'm Joanna. And this is the Growing Home Together podcast. We're caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God and each other. Thank you for joining us today for the Growing Home Together podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but when I scroll through social media, I can fall into a pit of insecurity in about five minutes. Other people's kids seem super spiritual, and they're using their gifts to change the world before they even get their driver's license. And other couples' marriages seem filled with romance and fun every day of the year. But I look at the clutter in my house, and I remember the cranky argument before Rob and I had our coffee this morning, and I see my kids taking two steps forward and one step back, and I can feel like a big, fat failure sometimes. Yeah, maybe you too carry a load of shame, thinking you'll never measure up in your marriage or parenting. And maybe you've noticed that the same kind of shame and insecurity is starting to show up in your kids' view of themselves. That's why we're so glad to welcome today's guests, Dave and Ann Wilson. They are here to help us break the cycle of shame in our families. Right. Dave and Ann Wilson are authors, speakers, and marriage coaches who co-founded Kensington Community Church in Michigan. And you probably already know them as the co-hosts of the amazing radio show, Family Life Today. Or you may have even sat under their teaching at a Weekend to Remember marriage conference. Thank you, Dave and Ann, for joining us today. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to be with you guys. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, could you could you guys um, just share a little bit about yourselves and your own family? Sure. Um, we've been married 41 years. Yeah. 41 years, like two weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. Thanks. We've got three sons. They're all married to amazing women, and we've got six grandkids. Um, Dave started, we started a church called Kensington Church 30 years ago, and... Was it 30 years ago? 30 years ago. <laughs> and before that, we actually moved to Michigan to be the Detroit Lions chaplain back in 85. Wow. And did that for 33 seasons. And I don't know. I know you guys are Michiganders. So are you Detroit Lions fans? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, married a, a Minnesota boy who still roots for the Vikings. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, we just uh, we just had Kirk Cousins on um, Family Life today. He and his wife Julie. So awesome. We Have love to catch Kirk, that one. But yeah. So I was a chaplain for a losing football team. <laughs> Thirty-three years of losing. Ah, I bet they were glad to have you there to encourage them. It was good. We saw a lot of guys and their wives and even their children come to Christ. We baptized 27 players one season. Mm. That wow. was an that's amazing season off the field. Not so good on the field, but it, that's that's what we're about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, wonderful. that's so awesome. So Joanna and I were really excited to get our hands on your uh, fantastic new book, No Perfect Parents. And in the book, you guys talk a lot about the pressure we feel to measure up in our ideals and standards um, to achieve the goals as, as our parents for our kids. Um, what do you think is going on in our world that's making so many of us feel like that, you know? Yeah, I think that, I, as you said at the beginning, I think that social media platforms have just put us under. Like, mm-hmm. I, it was like that. I felt the pressure in comparison as a young mom but I think now with social media bombarding us, we are constantly comparing ourselves and our kids to kind of that fake view of this 
incredible, perfect life, it seems, that so many are living. And I think it's really easy then for the enemy of our soul, Satan, to whisper lies of how we're failing and we're not measuring up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I know Rob and I, we're all about a good parenting book. <laughs> and a lot of parenting books offer great advice, but uh, they leave us feeling like we have a whole new list of things that we have to do <laughs> to get it right. And so your book is really refreshing because while it does definitely challenge me as a mom, you are so open about your own mistakes and your struggles in your parenting. So what led you to be so vulnerable in your book? Well, I mean, part of me, you know, as a pastor, um, when I grew up around church, you know, I didn't have a dad, so I went to church with my mom, and I always felt like everybody there was sort of perfect. Um, You know, I was from a divorced family in the 60s. I don't know anybody else in my church that was divorced. I was the only kid in my elementary school classroom without a dad. So I often felt like when I went to church, it's like the good people were there and we were sort of in a different category. So even when we started our church and then obviously when we write our wrote our vertical marriage book and then no perfect parents, uh, we just, that's the only way we can do it. It's like, we're, we have weaknesses, we have flaws, we're not perfect. We're not going to pretend we are. Cause you know what we all know is none of those people at church were perfect. None of those families were really doing any better than ours. But I didn't know that because everybody hit it, you know, and I always wanted to be a part of a community or part of a church. I, I, I joked about this as a pastor. I said, I want to put a sign out by the front door that says, drop your masks here. I don't mean yeah. pandemic masks. I mean, the you know, the covering that we put on that we're, we have a perfect life and a perfect family. And I just, you know, you want a community to be a place where people can be honest and be real and find victory in Christ in the middle of their mess. So we decided, obviously, when we write anything, it's going to be raw, it's going to be real, and it's at the same time going to show people, we live where you live, but there is a Jesus, there is a Holy Spirit that gives power and victory in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the struggle. I do remember going to my first Bible study as a mom, and you know, I think I had a six-month-old with me, and I shared just some struggles that I had and how I had overreacted and disciplined really poor. I, it was, no, it was, he must've been two when I went to the study. And I remember the women looked at me like they were horrified. And I, I didn't go back cause I felt so much shame. Mm. Like I must be the worst mom in the world. And so I think Dave and I have just determined that we're going to be really honest and hopefully it will keep it will draw people to us and see the victory and the hope that Jesus gives um, in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. yeah, I remember I think one of the, my favorite titles um, that I saw years ago, I don't even know if it's still around, but it was uh, I used to have answers. Now I have kids, you know, <laughs> um, so we always have the answers until you have the kids. Then you realize pretty quickly that uh, there isn't a perfect parent out there. So and I, yeah, the mistakes that you guys share are su- super relatable and it's it's really helpful um, to you. You can tell as you're reading through the book that you're you're in our corner, you know, as parents. So could you share um, which mistakes in particular you see parents making over and over again um, and how maybe some steps on how we could, f- could fix that or move in a different direction? I, I shared in one of the chapters um, that I kicked a hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good chapter. <laughs> and, um, Joanna uh, could relate it. 
Hate to yeah, say it. I just, you know, I was so frustrated. Dave was gone. All three boys were there. I was doing homework. They're fighting. And, you know, I just reached my limit. And I didn't say anything negative to them, but I just kind of like, Ugh! and I kicked the wall and my foot went into the drywall. And I was mortified. The kids were like amazed that they thought I was so strong. They couldn't <laughs> wait to tell Dave, the pastor, when he came home. And I had already covered the hole with wallpaper to, to cover up that hole. And but when I went to bed that night, and this is what I feel like so many parents do, because this is what I did night after night after night, I would go to bed feeling like I was the worst mom, that I was damaging my kids, that um, that God couldn't use me. And I felt like the whispers of the enemy constantly, like what kind of mother would do that? What kind of mother would say that? What kind of mother? And it was over and over. And I lived in that cycle for years. And I think so many other people do too. And I mean, I love that Paul says, take your thoughts captive. And that I think that's what I would say to moms and dads. Like, I know that we failed, but in that time with that, I hit, kicked the hole in the wall. I immediately went to the kids and I said, you guys, I am so sorry. That was so wrong. I let my anger get out of control. We talked about it. We prayed about it. I repented, asked God to forgive me. I mean, those are great life lessons, aren't they? That mm -hmm. we're teaching our kids. But I didn't think one positive thing that night. I even woke up the son, one of the sons and apologized to him in the middle of the night because I was so wrapped with guilt. Mm -hmm. And I really think so many parents live there. And instead, and I think what I would say to even some of those young moms is like, God's always cheering you on. You know, God has picked you to be the, the parent for these kids because you're the perfect one. You may not be perfect, but you are perfectly chosen to be the mom of these kids. And you have everything in you to be the mom that they need. Not perfectly. They're going to see your flaws. And that's good that they see them as long as we apologize and we go there with them. And I think that it helps them to see, oh, mom and dad aren't perfect, but there is a God who is. And we're always pointing our kids, hopefully, back to Jesus. Right. Uh, well, you know, they say that most of what our kids learn from us is caught and not taught. And yes. I'm sure that when our kids see us taking that perfectionistic approach to our parenting, that they feel some pressure to be perfect themselves. And I'm speaking as the mom of perfectionist. So we live this. <laughs> so what is the secret to raising kids who feel loved and accepted just as they are? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, we, we like big questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I think, you know, the at the at the core of the whole parenting thing and helping your kids feel loved is to not you know, love them based on performance or, you know, achievements or mistakes. I mean, I know that's hard to do, but it's like, I don't want to love, you know, we had three sons. I don't want to love the boys if they perform well, only if they perform well. I want to try and love them and affirm them even when they blow it, you know, mm -hmm. even when they make mistakes. Um, you know, one of the things we tried to communicate in the book is how important our tongue is, you know, Proverbs 18, 21, you know, life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
And so as a parent, man, we have such an opportunity to speak life, affirm, encourage, or speak death, discourage, tear down, criticize. And I know there are moments, man, when you just sort of lose it or you feel like they need to be critiqued. And there are moments where you have to speak the yeah. truth in love, you know, train them. Uh, and we have to do that. But man, we wanted our home. We have a chapter in there called Make Your Home a Haven. We wanted our home to be a place where the boys felt like it was safe, that they were seen, that they were loved. Because we knew, just like when we were growing up, outside of our home, there, you know, there's going to be a lot of teardown and words of death. And people are going to be trying to compare themselves and tear down your kids to build themselves up. So we hope that the home would be a place they'd sort of want to run to as a magnet where they felt seen, they felt believed in, they heard words of life. And again, not that they didn't hear words that they needed to hear truth, but that it was a place uh, that they would literally want, want to run home. And even mm -hmm. when they were teenagers, we sort of wanted the party to be at the Wilson's house. You know, we would just thought let's create a home of joy and fun and life so that they're going to, want to leave the party they're at and say, let's go to our house. It's, it's a lot more fun there. There's, you're going to love being at our house. And that sort of is what happened. We were at Disney world and, um, there was a, a young kid, probably, I can't remember five, I think, but the dad was like, you know what? I, I if you keep acting like this, I'm going to give you away. No, I'm going to put a for sale sign around <laughs> your neck. Oh. That's what he said. Literally oh. as he walked by us. Wow. Ouch. Wow. And I wanted to grab him and say, dude, do you realize that's going <laughs> to leave a mark? Yeah, Because, you sure. know, we all carry as adults marks that we remember from our parents as kids. And we wanted to obviously be the parents that were trying to speak life. But that's what happens as you're a parent. You say things and do things that you think you would never say <laughs> or do. And I think what God's doing I think he's revealing to us some of the guilt, fear, and shame that we've carried from our past. Mm. And sometimes we can think, this is our kid's fault. They've done this to me. Mm -hmm. But truly what's happening is it's been there. And I think it's through a lot of times through parenting that God reveals our brokenness and our need for him and for him to come and heal some of the past wounds that we have had growing up. Oh, that's so good. Cause I think, yeah, I think of the, the verse that talks about being, you know, slow, slow to speak and quick to yeah. listen, you know, and we, we think always in terms of doing that for the other person, but it's also an opportunity for the spirit to speak to us, you know, and, okay. and usually the things that push our buttons, um, are the <laughs> things that we need. God wants to say, Hey, you know, this is say, maybe this situation saying more about how I want to work in your heart than, than the other person's heart. So that's really good. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, we do as parents too. Um, and this may add to some of the stress we put on ourselves. And you talk about in the book, how a lot of times we put pressure on ourselves to, um, carry things into our kids that we're not necessarily supposed to do. Like we want them to be certain, you know, have a certain education and have a certain talent. And, and so we put all this pressure on ourselves, um, in addition to just the parenting. Um, and I think you talk about that in your book, how oftentimes you would ask parents at conferences and things, what, what they felt they needed to do as parents. And it was always these outward, uh, manifestations of, of being a parent. Yeah, I think that a lot of times I've been in groups with moms and I've said like, hey, what do you hope? 
what kind of kids do you hope to raise? And they'll Mm -hmm. say, I want them to be happy. I want them to be popular. I want them to be successful, which none of those things are bad. We want, we all want that for our kids. But if that's the highest thing that we're hoping that we get, how do you measure those things? You know, our happiness is determined by our circumstances. And so we're saying like, oh, no, there's so much more to give them. Um, I love the verse, um, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he was he's old, he won't depart from it. If you look at that in the Hebrew, the way he should go is really saying, raise him up according to his bent. Mm. And so one of the things that Dave and I, we assumed that our kids would be a certain way. And every parent was like, oh, they're nothing like that. <laughs> they're nothing like I thought they would be. And so to celebrate that, to say, oh, Lord, look at this child that you've created and always speaking life and future into them of saying, I can't wait to see what God has for you because you're so gifted in this area. And then you're you're complimenting their character traits instead of their just successes, because I think it's huge to really look at who they are and the character traits that they're developing. And, I, and we praise those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So Joanna and I have five kids ranging from the age of 10 to 27. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So so, uh, we've had the fun, you know, parenting process of of had it all across the board and parented in all ages and stages as they've grown along. Can you help us fine tune what unconditional love and grace might look like, you know, in the teen or college student years compared to the grade school years? Um, because it's all different. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Yes. Once, well, once you get one stage down and you think you have it, and then they get older, and like, oh, now it's totally different. Yes. Right. Well, I have to say, it, with that in mind, uh, we still go in at night and and have quite a long tucking in process with their ten year old at night. And I had assumed mm-hmm. that all of our other four kids had moved past that. And then just recently, our teenager said, "Hey, I don't know if you know this, but when my room's a mess, I actually clear a path across the floor. So if you come in to kiss me in the dark, you're not going to fall down." Like Aww. she still has that heart desire to have her mom come in. And tuck her in, and I don't think I would have known that. Like, I, I do it pretty frequently, but I didn't know how much that still meant to her. So, yeah. so I don't think I ever have it totally figured out. <laughs> I, we share in the book about when, our, when the first son, one of our sons got married. He was the first one to get married of the three boys. And every night we would go in, pray for them, no matter how old they were. As long as they were under our roof, we would go in and pray for them, put our hands on them at night, and um, just talk to them for a little bit. And we asked that son the night before his wedding, hey, um, what are you going to miss the most about growing up under our roof? And he said this, like you guys coming in every night, knowing that you're going to pray for me, knowing that you're going you're gonna to talk to me and ask me how I'm doing. Like that's going to that's huge for me. And I will continue that in our legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think. um you know, one of the things we tried to put about the teenage years, and you guys probably know this better than anybody, is as they pull away as teenagers, which is totally normal, they're becoming adults and they're going to start to pull away. I think often as parents, we think we're sort of done, you know, I mean, yeah. they don't want us in their lives. And they, they act like that. They act like it. And they may even say it, you know, like drop me off a mile from the school or whatever. Um but the truth is, and you guys just talked about it, they still want, they want a relationship with their mom and dad. They really do. 
And so one of the things we say in that chapter is pursue, 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 keep pursuing a relationship. Now, of course, you don't want to smother them and hover and everything, but you want to continue to pursue them in a way because they they long to have a relationship with mom and dad. And if we just pull away as they're pulling away, it won't happen. And that can continue into the adult years where they become your friends. I mean, we're now at the adult to adult stage and it's really cool. I mean, if you've, if you've built that relationship over the years, and we haven't done it perfectly, and we've had some hard conversations with adult kids about how we've failed in different areas, but they're our friends now. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can go to them to get wisdom just as much as they come to us. So, I mean, those teenage years, as you guys know, are just critical to cultivate the relationship. Yeah, We always say in those years, don't take it personally <laughs> because they say some things that are, they can crush you. I remember one of our kids, I was like going to lay down with him at night and he would beg me like, mom, lay down with me, you know? And so this one night I just started doing it and he says, what are you doing? I'm like, what, what do you mean? What am I doing? He goes, get out of here, mom. And I went out in the hall and I sat on the floor and cried <laughs> Sometimes they can say things that are hurtful and you can feel like they don't like you, but they do. And they're just growing and figuring it out. And so I think we would just say, okay, keep pursuing no matter what. Hey there, friends. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but I'm excited to tell you about a wonderful marriage resource that Rob and Joanna have for you. Rob and Joanna Tigan have been married for almost 30 years and have experienced every kind of high and low in their life together. But if they had to name the biggest lesson they've ever learned as a married couple, it's that a close relationship with God helps them have a close relationship with each other. And on the flip side, if they move farther away from God, they are sure to experience a growing distance from each other too. That's why they are so passionate to help couples draw closer to God and each other every day. Rob and Joanna have created a powerful tool for you to use in your marriage. It's called Mr. and Mrs. 366 Devotions for Couples. This gorgeous book gives you an inspiring scripture, a word of teaching and encouragement, and a prayer to lift up together every day of the year. The daily topics cover every part of your life together, whether it's financial or parenting stress, conflict or communication, or the intimacy and oneness you're longing to grow between you. Now today you may be feeling distant or discouraged, Maybe your faith has been tested by the stress of this past year, or maybe you're feeling lonely and unsupported in your relationship. It's incredible how connecting with God and each other through a daily devotional can transform your marriage and give you hope. You can find Mr. and Mrs. 366 Devotions for Couples at growinghometogether.com or wherever books are sold. Check out the link in the show notes for easy access to the book on Amazon. Now, back to the show. Yeah, you guys do such a great job in the book of of really kind of laying out those different stages to help kind of give us a a plan, but then also remind us and encourage us that, you know, this season won't last forever. So, um, you know, so you give us both the the challenge and the hope there, which is really great. Yeah. And you alluded to this a little bit ago that that you each come from pretty different backgrounds before you met and started your family together. And we were hoping you could tell us how, how we can let go of the baggage of our past to move forward and create a whole new legacy for our kids. What does that look like? I mean, for me, initially when we had our first son and then, 
you know, all three sons, I wasn't sure I could be a good dad. I'd never seen it, didn't have a dad in my home. And so there was a, you know, there was fear there. Um, and then, you know, as you, as you read the Bible, you, you, you realize that the sins of the father can tear, can carry into your, your legacy. And there's fear there. Like, you know, the sins of my dad are going to come into me and then I can pass it on. But on the other side, and we try to talk about in the book is you have a chance to change the legacy. And in fact, that's chapter one is like, I can continue uh, a bad legacy or, you know, with my name going forward, the Wilson name cannot be associated with divorce and adultery and alcohol like it was for my dad. And so at the other side, there's hope. It's like, wow, we get the chance with God's power and God's, you know, blessing and help to change the future of the Wilson name. And, you know, now looking back after 35 years, our oldest is 35. God has done a miracle. I mean, mm. again, we're not perfect. Our kids aren't perfect, but he has changed the legacy and it's been a really beautiful thing. And so in some ways it's like, you know what, you can draw a line in the sand and say from here on in, you know, one of our favorite verses is Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And and the verse before says, you know, you, you can serve the, the gods that your, your parents served, or you can choose a different way. And I could have done what my dad did. And I was sort of on that trajectory, but God, Jesus stepped in, changed our life, changed our future, and now has changed our kids and our legacy. I think one of the other things that's really helpful to do with families is you kind of, Dave and I did this, we sat down and looked at what are the things that we want to carry on of the legacy that's been given to us? Mm-hmm. And what are the things like, we want to stop this now, you know? And so, and our kids have done that actually that have their own kids. They've said, what are the things that we want to carry on? What are the things that we want to do different? I think that's really wise just to think through because if we're not intentional and if we aim at nothing, we will hit it. Yeah. And so I think it's just great to kind of think through those things and, like I have, I come from a super um, performance oriented family. And so when our kids were young, I was getting my total identity in what they were doing um, and if they were achieving or not, which made me look inward thinking, why am I like that? Oh, oh it's because my parents were like that. So that's one of those things. Oh man, I don't want to continue that. And so I, I think it's really wise just to go back and think through that. And then the things that we see ourselves doing to lay that before the father who loves us and say, Lord, I need you to heal me in these areas because I can see, I'm just going to pass all this stuff right on Mm -hmm. that I didn't like, but if we're not intentional, we just do it. Yeah. Right. Well, I love that we have, you know, marriage experts in-house today. This is awesome. So I have to ask you a marriage question, even though this is a parenting topic. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, since we're talking about mistakes and we're talking uh, about shame. Script. Right, totally off script. Um, Rob has seen me epically fail as a mom, like more times than I can count. I mean, I remember we had a season with one of our teenagers where she and I were just going around and around and just having conflict all the time, and it was really escalating and I'm married to a peacemaker, and he was just beside himself. Oh, like, really? How do I, I, I don't remember that at all. What are you- <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I get these women to dial down here? And he, it it made him struggle with how is he going to relate to me? What's his role to play? You know, and, and so 
my issue with my daughter started to spill over into my relationship with Rob. So I would love to hear from you when one of you is kind of blowing it with one of your kids. What is the best way for a spouse to engage and respond to what they're seeing? Well, my first thought is uh, get out of the house. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> and I mean, go date. I mean, uh, we, we, you know, talked about that as one of our, the last chapters, our top five parenting mistakes. And one of them was, it was so easy to put all our energy and time into the kids and into the parenting season that you sort of neglect your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's really critical to get mom out of the house, get dad out of the house, go on a date regularly. We try to do it weekly. We didn't make it perfectly, but allow each one, especially like if, if mom's struggling with a daughter or, or son, get her out of the house so she can talk about it mm -hmm. and just get away for a moment and be her partner and let her talk and listen. I mean, biggest thing is listen and not, you know, give advice right away, but just let her share what uh, the struggle is. I would say I did this poorly. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I tended to critique Dave and the boys. I tended to critique Dave and telling him how he should do it. Um, and I think that we, as especially moms, can get protective. And I got more defensive than Dave did, actually. And I wanted Dave to side with me. It just is so complicated. But I think I learned over the years um, that critiquing Dave and how he was doing something with the boys was not the way to approach it, to pray through it first. Like, should I even say anything if I'm seeing something going on with Dave and the kids? Because sometimes it is good to say something, but how we say it, when we say it, I think that stuff is critical. When we say it in love, like the scripture says, speak the truth in love. I was a truth speaker, but a lot of times I said it to get my point across instead of partnering with Dave and kind of listening to what he was feeling. And I got super defensive then if he would try to critique me. <laughs> but Dave was really, he's super wise and he would see some things that I didn't. And so I think we, we really would pray. We prayed every night before we went to bed. And that was helpful too, that it reminded us that we're partners in this, you know, like we we are both adding a piece to this element of parenting that's really necessary. And and also to praise each other and to tell each other what we see them doing right. When, because we're so, I can be so doubtful if I am doing it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the word you used about partnership. I think um, for us in that season, one thing that really turned a corner for us was just recognizing that there was this one kind of, trigger point with my daughter and I and and it was that button kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and so we're like we need to interrupt this cycle and so Rob ended up being the one to interrupt the cycle where when that one issue would come out I would just I'd hit the road and he would engage with her in a completely different way than me and so it it was a real partnership uh, yeah. where when I needed him he was there when she needed him he was there and vice versa and um, instead of it becoming well, I would handle it differently than you. He entered into it as my partner, and that was a game changer for sure. Yeah, and I think I think as you as you said, um, understanding that you each come to your parenting with different gifts and different weaknesses, and like you guys were sharing different backgrounds, and so I know uh, in that time too that that peacemaker in me when Joanna would 
be venting to me would start. And also I think that kind of male, I, I need to fix this. My anxiety would start rising up and she'd say, no, I'm just, I'm just venting to you. I'm just sharing with you what, you know, so it kind of took it off, off of me to make a decision right then. And we could work through those. So, um, I yeah. think that's why this gets tricky sometimes. <laughs> all the kids are different and, and we have come at it with different things. So I think that's where getting back to what you guys shared about um, naming those things and sharing with each other, those things so that you can say, these are the things we don't want to bring. And these are the things we do and keeping the communication open. So, yeah. And I think, I think we all know, um, but it's hard to recognize sometimes that we have displaced like anger, we are frustrated with our kids or we're having a tough day with our kids or they're, you know, making decisions that are hard. And we take that out on our spouse or on our marriage when it's really related to parenting. And so I think we have to like disconnect, you know, the two, because if it's a parenting deal, then it's a parenting deal, but don't take that out on your spouse. I know I did that to Ann and did that to me. Right. So get vertical marriage first, go on some dates, yeah. read that, and then tackle the 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 no perfect parents and and yep. do it as a team. So <laughs> yep. sounds got good. it. <laughs> so um well this has been been really encouraging. Um and I know we've just kind of scratched the surface with some some amazing insight um that we've got from your book, No Perfect Parents. So um would you mind just um maybe praying for our listeners that are um, trying to tackle this parenting um, job and uh, might be struggling um, and may need God's wisdom. Would, would either or both of you mind praying? Yeah, we'd love to. Uh, Father God, thank you for really the joy and privilege of being a parent. It's a blessing from you. And yet at the same time, it's a responsibility that's heavy and weighty and frustrating and scary at times and so often we're afraid and we carry shame and guilt thinking we're not doing it right and uh, so we offer that to you I pray for the parents that are listening that maybe are um, feeling like they're blowing it and they're not doing it perfectly and I pray that you would give them a sense of grace uh, forgiveness they're not going to do it perfect because they're not perfect parents. You are. So I pray that they find their life and their power and their wisdom and their peace from you, not from how their kids are doing, but from you. And I pray even for the parents of maybe a prodigal that you would give them hope today that their son or daughter is going to return home. So I pray for peace, pray for power, perspective, I pray that you would bless uh, the mom or dad or parents that are listening to us right now. And Lord, I, I really thank you too for these listeners. And I pray blessing on them, God. And for their kids, Lord Jesus, I pray they'd come to know you. They'd walk with you. They'd hear your voice and they'd obey it. And for the parents that they would just draw closer to you because you are our greatest source of hope and help. You are the one that's always championing our kids and championing us. Jesus, we pray that you would um, just bring hope and healing to every single listener and family. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love that. Um, You gave us so much hope um, for the future with our kids today. And before we wrap up, could you just tell us what you believe is the secret to joy in our life with our kids? (laughs) 
The secret to joy. Yeah, another big question. (laughs) We got to end it with another big question. Those are heavy. Um, (laughs) I mean, my first thought is, you know, I think of uh, Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's in the Lord. I don't think you can find joy in this life on, you know, planet Earth. Not that there's not joy and happiness or in your kids. I think we have to find it from the Lord, that we have to keep our eyes vertical on him and find life and joy and happiness. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so the strength of our home really is coming from, again, the joy of the Lord. So I think the key is keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. You're not going to find it anywhere else. I would just do that. That's the same scripture that came to my mind was the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh-huh. And he is like, I, for me to be a good parent, I have to be diving in with Jesus mm-hmm. because he's the one and his word is the instruction manual. Manual. He's the one that offers that. And it's only when it's in us that we can give it away because then it spills over like John 4. We have rivers of living waters flowing through us. Mm. Amen. So good. Well, you know, I know we've just scratched the surface of all the great insight that you have to offer. Um, where can our friends connect with you and find a copy of your book, No Perfect Parents? Well, they can find us on social media, just Dave Ann Wilson, whether it's uh, Instagram or Twitter, or Facebook, or our, our website's DaveAnnWilson.com. And they can get our books anywhere, you know, Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Okay. Just go buy one or yes. two or a hundred. Yes. Right. All the parents you know need one, I think. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything that you shared with us today. You've been a huge encouragement to all of us. Thank you're you welcome. Thank for you. All you're doing too. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you, friends, for taking the time to be with us today. We'd love to connect with you also on our website, growinghometogether.com. We have free marriage devotional to share with you, plus some fun activities to help you connect with your kids over the summer. At Growing Home Together, we're caring for the soul of your family. And we're growing home together with you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.